You're listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Hello and welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gemma, and I'm joined by my colleague, Stephen. And today we've got a lot of very interesting news to talk about. We're going to be kicking off with the HS2 Phase 2B consultation recently launched. Uh, lots to talk about on that. Stephen's going to give us a run through of the party conferences, a very different party conference season this year. None of the usual um, get togethers in person, all online, of course. But Stephen will take us through everything that happened with the Labour, Lib Dem, and Conservative Party conferences. And we're going to be finishing by looking at decarbonisation and hydrogen trains in particular. So lots to talk about, lots of exciting, interesting news from the uh, the past few days. So let's get straight on with it. And um, Stephen, how are you, first of all? How's lockdown treating you? Uh, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I think as with everybody, it's getting it's getting a bit tedious now, isn't it? But uh, but we, yeah. we we'll we'll keep going, I think. Uh, I think that's all we can do, isn't it? It's a bit like the um, it's a bit like the hokey cokey at the moment. Are we in lockdown? Are we out of lockdown? I don't I don't really know, but we'll um, carry on doing what we're told and uh, yeah, making the most of it, I guess. Um, but that doesn't stop things from happening. Still, plenty of news to go around in the uh, in the transport world, and very recently, HS2 Limited launched their. Uh, consultation on design changes to phase 2b Uh, for anybody who isn't in the know on hs2 that's the western leg so that's the sort of um, midlands up to the northwest so touching on the sort of crew and manchester side of things now hs2 is obviously uh, a very major infrastructure project, uh, a massive vision for a, a modern rail network for the north, and it's highly integrated with our own project, Northern Powerhouse Rail. There's a lot of shared track, shared services, shared infrastructure. So we really do need uh, these things to be planned and delivered hand in hand. So, what is this consultation all about, Stephen? What's it? What's it telling us? What's it asking us to uh, to give our opinions on? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, they're essentially looking at uh, the proposed changes to HS2 Phase 2B, um, which is the bit that kind of goes uh, kind of north of Crew up in up into Manchester. Basically, the western leg that they're they're looking at in in this in this case. So I think um, obviously this is HS2's consultation. It'll be, it'll be, you know, it'll essentially the outcomes of it uh, will be determined as well by what happens with the integrated rail plan that's still a process that's going on being run by the National Infrastructure Commission. Uh, so we've uh, we've submitted what we want from uh, the integrated rail plan through their rail needs assessment, and um, you know we also obviously are developing Northern Paris Rail, which is the key aspect about those interchanges with HS2 phase 2B. So there's there's quite a lot of uh, a lot going on there. So we're co-clienting on Northern Paris Rail. That touches, we use about 80 kilometres of, of, of HS2 infrastructure for Northern Paris Rail. So it is very closely interlinked. And I think one of the things that they're going to look at as part of the consultation is specifically the alignment uh, for changes like Manchester Piccadilly, for example. Mm. Uh, but from a TFM perspective, I think, you know, we've, we've welcomed the progress uh, in terms of moving forward with 
with the scheme. Uh, but, you know, we want to see as much investment in, in the region, in, in the north, start as quickly as possible. Uh, you know, we still want, we still support very much the, the, the eastern leg of HS2. Mm. I uh, want to see that happening. That's you know going to going to take up connect the Midlands with uh, with Sheffield and uh, the Sheffield City region and and, and West Yorkshire with Leeds. Um, so you know, so it is it is all very much uh, very much linked. But the the consultation is largely specific looking at that HS2 phase 2B section. Mm. Uh, so from from Crewe to Manchester. Mm. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. It is very much an integrated uh, program of. Um, funding and work that we need to see because there is so much shared infrastructure with Northern Powerhouse Rail and HS2 but also it's it's not about just being uh, just doing certain parts of it is it we need them both to be delivered and um, in full right from sort of top to bottom uh, left to right don't we yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of it will be, like I say, I think although this is this is this is welcome, you know, the pushing forward with a certain bit that's going to going to connect the north, uh, that's very important. But I think I think it's the integrated rail plan is 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 kind of more important really because that is the bit where it's going to look at how all of these different pieces come together in their entirety. So, you know, we've obviously got Northern Paris Rail and HS2, but you know, there's the Trans Pennine route upgrade in that as well, which you know, as we've always said, is a prerequisite for Northern Paris Rail. You know, we want to see the Trans Pennine route upgrade done alongside the new line between Manchester and Leeds via Bradford. Um, so there's, it's, there's, there's a lot going on there and there's a lot of other rail lines, of course, that would feed into, into Northern Paris Rail and HS2 to make it all work a little bit better in the Midlands as well. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch, but it's nice to see some progress moving forward you know, on, mm. on, on a, this particular big scheme. Yeah, absolutely. And for for those listeners who perhaps aren't as in the know or involved in uh, these sort of infrastructure consultations, what sort of format does it take, and what's the what's the timeline for these things? How how do we go through a consultation process, and then where do we go from from there? What does it what does it mean for the next stage of activity? Yes, I think so. This has been run by uh, just by HS2 Limited or across like set up as as uh, by the Department for Transport. So so if you go to the Department for Transport websites, that's where they'll they'll look and they like I said they're consulting on various specific things to do with uh proposed changes to the phase two B route to, to like I said to look at that particular alignment in, in places like Manchester and the crew hub. So I think the consultation runs to it's running to December. So yeah. I think if you go to go to the DFT uh website you can see that there's a link on there. Uh, where you can go through and it's got a consultation document that runs through exactly what the what they're looking at and what they want some feedback on. Uh, but yeah, it'll run to December and then, like I said, they'll they'll look at any proposed changes off the back of that. But you know, it will be fundamentally informed by the integrated rail plan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an important part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, and that's, uh, for, of course, um, the Northern Powerhouse Rail team here at uh, TFN will be uh, going through all those consultation mm-hmm. documents right now seeing what uh, what level of detail is in there uh, what it may mean again for the uh, integration with northern powerhouse rail and of course there's already a lot of work um underway at the moment with with northern powerhouse rail there were items heard in in private at board last month on sort of uh, preferred routes and and different phasing scenarios there's a lot more to of that kind of work to to come still on NPR. So the team will be looking closely at at this consultation in particular on picking what it means for NPR. And then I guess they will um, take a view on on whether and and what format um, TFN may need to sort of respond in. 
Uh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I think uh, I think like I say, it's, it 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 just goes to show that there's there's so much of this kind of rail improvements going on that it is it is there's consultations we want to make sure that everything aligns as as much as possible. So we're like I said, we're we're very much taking the lead on the Northern Pass rail aspects, but we use quite a bit of it to infrastructure and a lot of the case is being built on on the fact that HS2 is is going to come. So. Uh, so yeah, it's really important that we're we're, we're fully involved in that discussions. Uh, so HS2 are are actually on our board as well. Mm-hmm. They have a co-opted member on our board as a delivery partner. So um, and so it's important that we keep up that relationship and understand how it how it all fits together. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so when um, watch this space, we will um, we put out some comments on that consultation yesterday, which you'll find on our website, and we were also sharing the news on um, our social media channels as well. So we'll continue to to keep you updated uh, via those methods and also through this this podcast and our All Points North newsletter as well as things develop and as, as Stephen's mentioned there and um, HS2, Northern Powerhouse Rail, the integrated rail plan, other significant uh, rail projects as well, all ongoing, all things that are developing uh, constantly, constantly being being pushed for, being taken forward through the various stages. So we will keep you updated on all things rail. Um, okay, Stephen, um, party conferences. Now, Normally, party conference season, everybody traipses off to Brighton or wherever and has a, a good few days in a in a hotel and doesn't get much sleep and lots of networking going on, formal or um, otherwise, various activities, various get togethers. I'm sure the odd, um, you know, canapé gets consumed as well. And um, a very different picture this year, wasn't it, for uh, party conference season? Yeah, it was very different, very, very different. I think, I think obviously normally, uh, you know, the kind of the past couple are kind of like almost the crescendo of, of kind of activity that we do. So we normally go along and we'll, we'll host an exhibition stand and we get a lot of people coming along and chatting to us because there's an awful lot of uh, councils across the north, north of England that we obviously would struggle to get to individually. So we do get to chat to an awful lot of people there normally. Um, and that's kind of where the activity, you know, that's kind of what it's anchored around. We obviously do lots of meetings and go to fringes and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so with it going virtual this time, it was it was a very very different uh, very different different thing really. It was a completely different uh, type of platform that you're going that that you're using. So I think we still essentially ran exhibition stands, so people were able to come along. We had uh, we had our economic recovery plan video. Uh, people were able to register for updates and things like that. So we got we got that aspect of it. We got a few meetings. We ran some fringes at each of them as well. Um, so we definitely showcased what where we're up to. I think um, I think as as again something we probably didn't necessarily expect to be pushing uh, at the beginning of the year when we started to plan mm-hmm. these conferences, but we'll be selling an economic recovery plan. <laughs> you know that wasn't yeah. really on the cards when we started to plan these conferences. Uh, but we are where we are. So I think it's important to know that um, for for any northern members of all of the political parties that you know we we pushed what the north needs and making sure that the that the government understands what what would benefit the north and what would help drag us out of the out of the, the economic crisis that we're kind of in at the moment. Mm. Um, so it was it was it was really positive the meetings that we did have. I think as always, people were generally supportive of us. Uh, some of them have uh, have some parochial schemes that they, <laughs> that they mm. want, but uh, but the principle of what we're doing and what we're pushing for is something people very much buy into. So mm. uh, I think it was shown when we started off. Uh, the Labour conference was the first one that we did. 
Um, so we did a, a session uh, that was chaired by Graham Morris, who's the Labour co-chair of the Transport Across the North, APPG. Um, we were also joined by the Shadow Rail Minister Tam Desai, uh, Councillor Judith Blake from West Yorkshire, Councillor, Ju- Councillor Louise Gittins uh, from Cheshire West and Chester, uh, both TFM board members for, for their areas, and uh, Jay McKenna, who's the uh, Northwest Regional Secretary for the, for the TUC. Um, so he's also on our partnership board, which, which advises our main board, um, and our very own Barry White, who's the Chief Executive Transport for the North, joined us too. We had a really, really just good discussion there. I think obviously a lot of it did anchor around that kind of post-COVID activity, how we how we get out of that and how we can use transport, you know, whether it's getting getting people back onto rail. You know, we spent so many years trying to push people away from cars and then mm-hmm. we pushed back and it's getting people that confidence to use the rail mm-hmm. network. But obviously we are aware that if it does get back to where it was, there wasn't enough infrastructure there to to, to cope with what we where we were at, at that point anyway. So we definitely still mm-hmm. need to continue to push the case for investment but we need to do that in a way that's sustainable as well so mm. so, so there was that fed into it that was kind of the broad summary of the discussion it was mm. you know it was post-covid-19 but the need to understand the longer infrastructure and the need to make sure that it fits in with with decarbonisation targets mm. so 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 that was and, that was really good yeah and the i mean the fact the fact that we've um as you as you mentioned there you know at the start of this year we were planning for these events in person and we've had to shift everything online so that in itself shows us that you know we have to we're sometimes we're forced to change and do things that we weren't planning for or didn't didn't foresee uh, but we do you know we we find ways through you know we we beat these challenges head on and we find new ways of doing things and um, on the whole we could we can make it make these things work and um, i think we've actually got a clip from that session that you referenced there um, with some of those uh, some of those people taking part so when um, we have a, a, a quick listen to some of those comments i think we've got an excellent panel for you today and um, my name's graham morris i'm a, a labor member of parliament and a member of the transport select committee and i'm also co-chair of the transport across the north um, all party group so with that um i, I want to Go back to our go to our first panel member, um, my dear friend and colleague Tan Desai, and this this is a big big day with the announcement that's been um, slipped out in relation to rail franchises, which I I'm sure you're going to tell us about. So over to you, Tan. Thank you very much, Graham, and it's a, a pleasure to be here. And thank you also for Transport for the North uh, for connecting up uh, and wishing to hear the Labour perspective uh, through this uh, Labour Connected uh, meeting. Uh, but uh, yeah, Graham, I think you've eloquently uh, highlighted some of the key issues uh, in terms of uh, tra- uh, what is important for Transport for the North. The government um, is talking about levelling up. Uh, it, it wants uh, that connectivity to be there. Uh, for all parts of our country uh, and as yet that has not been achieved uh, because as I have spoken with many of my my colleagues whether um, uh, it is parliamentary colleagues like Graham uh, or whether it's the Metro mayors so I've had meetings uh, with the likes of Andy Burnham from Manchester, Steve Rotherham, Jamie Driscoll from North of the Tyne uh, and others and they are all uh, exasperated at the fact that they have not got control over uh, what's happening with regards to the North and they want um, more 
not only more investment, but to be actually brought into the 21st century. It's simply unacceptable that many uh, rail services there are so, so slow. You, you know, you'd think that, are you in England or Britain or are you in, in some other country? Uh, we simply haven't had uh, the focus in terms of increasing capacity or increasing electrification or using technology like hydrogen or battery power. Uh, so all of those things are important. And I can uh, assure you that look, um, under uh, Sir Keir Starmer's leadership, the Labour Party is very much committed to the rail network. Uh, it's part of our green industrial revolution. We want to decarbonize our economy and rail plays an a significant uh, part of that. Marvis, thanks very much, Tan. That, that, that's, that's really uh, illuminating and informative. And, you know, there, there are some questions at the end. If you if you're able to stay with us, that would be much appreciated. Um, uh, could, could I call on uh, Councillor Judith Blake, the leader of Leeds City Council now, to, uh, to give us a, a, a presentation? Thanks, Judith. Um, Thank you, Graham. It's really good to see you on the call today. And hi, everybody. Um, it's, um, I think we're going through one of those moments in time where you prepare what you're going to say, and then you'd listen to the one o'clock news and everything you've said gets wiped, wiped off the page. Um, clearly, um, all local authorities are absolutely focused on, on the, the current situation around COVID, as well as the implications of COVID on, on this broader agenda that we're talking about today. And just thinking about what we'd have been talking about um, if we'd um, been you know, here a year ago um, or the circumstances of a year ago had continued without the COVID intervention, we'd have been in a very difficult place and we'd have been talking about the, the you know, still the need for investment um, the fact of very poor performance, I have to say, across northern networks on rail. I mean, just looking back um, uh, around um, um, Christmas, Transpennine Express was the worst performing operator um, with only 41% of services on time and 6.6% cancelled. We were talking about, you know, trains being absolutely rammed, short form trains so people couldn't actually get on the trains when they did arrive. Um, to a, a situation now where we don't know, to be quite honest, um, what the face of public transport is going to be like as we come through um, the other side of um, everything we're dealing with now. Um, we don't know if um, the current work patterns, more people working remotely, working from home, um, is going to continue. Um, all of these things, um, you know, we have to try and take into account, but I don't think it should take us from our main focus um, and certainly from a Labour Party perspective, highlighting just the sheer imbalance of money that's gone into the North in all forms of transport. We tend to talk about rail a lot, but of course, Transport for the North is responsible um, right across um, the piece. Um, and the fact that investing in infrastructure in new rail, whether it's HS2, Northern Powerhouse Rail, new routes, or indeed improving connectivity, improving stations, etc., it's all about um, the link to the economy. Hi, Louise. Hiya. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> nice to see you. Hiya. Nice. So, oh, thank you. 
thank you so much i think it's it's taken me nearly as long as it takes me to get to manchester airport on that on the the train as it has done to get back into here so so um i'm louise gittins i'm leader of cheshire western chester council um and as well as being vice chair for transport for the north i also sit on the mersey d alliance which is um, a cross-border alliance which links the local authorities in cheshire Wirral, and um, northeast wales together and we have a very clear sort of um strategic approach to what we're trying to do and connectivity is a really important part of that and um Growth Track 360 is a lobbying group that was set up as part of this, um, which is um, between the local government in England and North East Wales, but also local businesses as well. And we have a clear plan about the difference that connectivity between England and Wales will actually uh, make. Um, and we reckon that it could um, uh, create up to 30,000 jobs just in our um, area alone if we get those connections. Um, correct. So for our residents, they don't see borders, they see wanting to get from A to B, a um, point that we need to think about as, as we go forward, trying to get from A to B. And I give the example of when um, I, I live in the Wirral and it's uh, 45 miles from Manchester Airport. I can drive there in under an hour, but part of my commitment to TFN is um, going on the train. So um, I can't get to a train station from where I live by walking. So I had to drive to the nearest train station. And by the time I'd gone via Liverpool and Manchester and then to Manchester Airport, it took nearly two hours. So um, it, it's sort of looking at, well, what incentives are there that for people to get on a train and, and make those journeys? So um, our citizens need to be able to get from where they live to where they want to go. Um, and I see um, the work of Transport for the North and our aspirations of, of trying to achieve that. Um, so we need seamless, low carbon travel and also smart ticketing. So being able to, um, you know, buy your ticket and you can get to where you want to go, even if you're on a bus. I mean, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Out, out. The other issue we have is that domino effect that we currently get. So once Manchester gets blocked up, the whole of the north and into Wales starts to get blocked up as well. So we need to clear those connections. And um, we need to look at the whole of the, the north and Wales and Scotland and make sure all the bits of the, the jigsaw puzzle um, come together. And I think creating great places and really an excellent place to live must be a key aim in terms of delivering ambitions across the north and our sub-regions. And enhancing our tra transport connectivity will actually make many of the north's significant assets more accessible to everybody and allowing our populations to access jobs, recreation and leisure activities across the north and beyond and i think all of this is really important for those wider determinants of health so the impact it has on people's lives um, um, promoting active travel impact once in a lifetime opportunity to really make a difference and if we miss this opportunity now i think in future years gener future generations will look back and say that we failed them um, you know we have many challenges we need to make sure we get the right investment um, and we need to make sure that all those bits of the jigsaw actually um, fit together and it needs to be a long-term strategic plan not just a 
quick fix or half measure, but we need to be brave and we need to be ambitious in terms of what we want to do. And COVID-19 is as presents us with lots of challenges. We, and you've probably already said this, but we've got less, less passengers on our trains um, and we need to build back that confidence so that people come back onto public transport. <clears throat> thanks, thanks, thanks very much ind indeed, Louise. That, that, that's really helpful and uh, again, a great insight. And uh, I'm going to call upon Barry White, um, who's going to give us an overview. And as both you and uh, Judith mentioned, you know, transport for the North is... It's the first subnational transport body that's been formed to, transpo to transform um, transport infrastructure that is recognised statutorily. So th this is important work that we're doing in trying to build into the government's investment plans, plans that will really work and, and make a difference for our regions and, and the, the people that we represent and serve and care about. So, but Barry, if you could, if if you could um, round off our discussion, and then we'll move on to questions, if that's okay. Thank you, Graham, and and thank you to all the other speakers as well. Uh, I just want to give three broad thrusts of thought about the short term, medium term, and, and longer term, and uh, build on some of the comments from the previous speakers. Um, so, first of all, in the short term, we we've put an economic recovery plan to government that has projects that can get underway and start to be built in the next 18 months. There's then another batch of projects that can start after the next couple of years. And then there's some longer term projects where development work can take place. And that varies from things like smart ticketing to projects like the Carlisle Relief Road that will also unlock land for housing. And, that, and that's a really important multiplier effect reliability improvements, accessibility at stations, and very importantly, pilots of green technology like uh, hydrogen trains. You know, some private companies have taken hydrogen trains and spent several million pounds of the shareholders' money developing hydrogen trains to a certain extent. What we now need is as a country to show that we're serious about adopting some of this technology and starting to push forward with it to build on their investment. But, but what we want more than anything else is a pipeline that government commits to, and that pipeline will give confidence to private investors, but it will also in, provide construction industry with workload, and most importantly, construction workers with job opportunities and skills training as well. In the medium term, um, I think we will face um, a challenge, but also an opportunity in that many people will probably work from home more than they have in the past. And that will release some capacity on the existing rail network. And I think for us all there's a huge opportunity in saying, how do we persuade people who currently use their car to leave their car at home, cycle, walk or bus to the station and get the train into uh, uh, where, where they work? Uh, and I think, while that will provide a short-term challenge to the finances of whether it's a franchise or whatever replaces franchises, um, I think in the longer term, the medium term, how do we attract and win people, new people to use the real ways to use up that released capacity? And I think actually people working from home is something that was going to happen anyway. We just have seen this accelerated. Uh, and uh, I think for many people that provides much greater work-life balance and flexibility and is a good thing. The greenest journey of all is no journey. Um, in the longer term, 
um, there are some big projects like Northern Powerhouse Rail and uh, High Speed 2. We want Northern Powerhouse Rail to start to be built in 2024. And we think there's some real opportunities in the existing network, say, between Leeds and Hull to get work underway. But just to really stress how important that whole network is. So we held our first meeting as a statutory body in Liverpool in April 2018. A journalist travelled from London for that meeting. Um, she was from York originally, and she just commented that day, her journey from London to Liverpool would have been faster than if she travelled a much shorter distance from York to Liverpool. And that's the, that's the right we're trying to wrong. It should be really easy or possible for somebody to live in York and work in Liverpool. And that's what Northern Powerhouse Rail, with the HS2, because we use 80 kilometres of HS2's track for Northern Powerhouse Rail, can come together to provide for the North. It's also about Leeds to London, uh, Leeds to the Midlands. It's about Wales in the Northwest to London. But what I want to stress today more than anything else, Northern Powerhouse Rail provides one of the biggest strategic opportunities for one of our major cities in Bradford to put what I think is a great historic wrong right. Bradford has suffered for many years with very poor connectivity and Northern Powerhouse Rail can provide one of our great northern cities with hugely improved connectivity and life opportunities for those that live there. And that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about transport investment is those sort of opportunities. Thank you, Grib. Thanks, Barry. That, that, that's really helpful in a, in a really useful summary. And, you know, I, I can't help but agree when you, when you mentioned the potential of hydrogen powered trains and it springs to mind as well, you know, when we're, when when we had uh, when we had uh, Jim McKenna who was talking about the importance in terms of employment and uh, you know offering employment not just directly on on rail but in manufacturing and and you know we are very innovative we did invent the railways uh, um, Stevenson and so on and and now we have developments like um, battery powered electric trains that have many um, potential uses, particularly on some of the lines that you mentioned. But please, not let's not forget the great northern cities in the northeast of England as well, because we often seem to be overlooked, even within our own region. But um, th thanks very much indeed, Barry. That was, that was really, really insightful and a good summary. And we've been deluged with uh, questions. Now, I'm, I'm not quite sure whether I should just pick some from the submitted questions or interspace them with some of the questions that were submitted uh, a little earlier so but um if if i may just while i get some advice on on how we can take them i've made some notes from some of the people who've joined our webinar and have submitted questions but we've touched on some of these already how important is it to transport infrastructure to getting the UK back on track post COVID-19. Um, who would like to give a view on that? I mean, you've, you've covered it to a degree, Barry, in, in, in your comments, but would you like to say something on that? So, so if I just, if you're happy for me just to kick off on that, um, I, I was speaking to somebody this morning actively involved in the construction industry and they're seeing some private developers put work on hold. Um, they're seeing house builders uh, continue to sell houses quite well at the moment, but slightly wary in opening up big new sites. Um, and 
Um, one of the bright lights has been Highways England and Network Rail continuing with their national programmes at a reasonably reasonable pace. Um, but like many sectors, there is this real risk of job losses unless we do more to show that pipeline of work. And I think, um, you know, we want to actually be building up the skills in the industry. We want to be able to build HS2 and Northern Powerhouse Rail at the same time. So I think that's not just a case of retaining current skills, it's about trying to find a way in which we can have that pipeline of work that allows people to invest in training, to bring younger people into the industry and, and to provide that greater continuity of work that I think is so important to, to, to allow the private and public sectors to work together on that skills agenda. Okay, thanks Barry. Uh, Jade, Jade, would you like to, to, do you have a view on that? I, I think there's a, we, we talk, don't we now, um, and we are talking rightly so, how do we recover from the economic crisis that's being caused by the pandemic? And we're talking about how we're going to create jobs to support people um, or, or because their job might no longer exist. The market's disappeared. Uh, a colleague in, in GM said to me a, a few months back that the impact of this pandemic is going to be felt in the changed human behaviour. And there's a downside to that, people shopping online instead of visiting shops but it will accelerate some of you know, how they will likely to behave in the future. There's an opportunity for us in that too. Let's bring forward what we were going to do in the future. We've talked for a long time now about transport investment, whether that's the Northern Powerhouse Rail, HS2, investment in buses, green. There is a real opportunity here to do something that the North needs. We absolutely need it. Nobody should be in any doubt that we need it. This isn't spending monies for spending safe deliver something we need and at the same time support jobs and transition them away from the kind of things that we've been building to create green jobs as well. This, there is a win-win to all of this. The North gets what it needs, you know, whatever, however you vote in the North, it would be you know, very difficult to say that the North has the transport infrastructure it needs. We need it for people to get around, visit family, go to work, get back, you know, reach those job opportunities wherever they might be that's going to be a longer term ambition to make sure that there are job opportunities everywhere so let's build what we need and there's an opportunity to retain skills but also give loads of young people opportunities and apprenticeships because we know the rail industry is one of the better ones at doing that creating job opportunities for not just those in the industry at the moment but new people who want to come into it as well So, Stephen, that was um, that was probably the, the, the key activity from within the Labour Party conference. Uh, next up was the Lib Dem conference. Um, tell us a bit about that. Yes, I think I think the Liberal Democrat conference was good. So we do have it. We have a Liberal Democrat member who's Councillor Keith Aston, who's the leader of uh, City of York Council. So he sits on on our board. Um, so he kind of represented transport for the north at the fringe that they did on building back better and was obviously linked to very much COVID uh, with a COVID angle on it. I think that was a little bit more broader than just uh, transport infrastructure, but he did speak in, in his capacity as a, as a transport for the North board member. So he explained, you know, the importance of the economic recovery plan and what we're doing and, uh, and the importance of transport for the North in helping to coordinate that kind of activity on a more regional level. But again, much of the discussion looked at, uh, looked at building back better from a COVID perspective. So they were looking a bit more in depth at kind of 
um, kind of the health crisis and things like that, and and how to make sure that you know local health services are built back uh, built back better as well. Um, so it was a really 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 good discussion that took place on a Saturday, so Saturday lunchtime. So mm-hmm. it was a, it was a, a no nice rest for the wicked, are you, Stephen? No, no, exactly. Yeah, weekend working. So. So yeah, so it was it was a really good panel. So 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 there was there's a there's an organisation called the Northern uh, Liberal Network, which is uh, chaired by Laura Gordon. So she took part in it along with, and the session itself was chaired by Lisa Lisa Smart, who's a deputy leader of the Lib Dems or Stockport Council, um, and Julian Muir, who's the CEO of Gaia Innovation, and Professor Peter Styring of the University of Sheffield. So so it de- def- definitely moved uh, towards the, the decarbonisation agenda as well. You know, there's a common theme mm-hmm. throughout all of the fringes, not just our fringes or the ones that we took part in, but, but others as well. You know, there was definitely the immediate impact of COVID-19, the building back better aspect and decarbonisation was kind of like a mm-hmm. common thread. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was very good. Fantastic. Um, and then finally, the... Conservative Party conference. Now, um, I've heard little whispers that the uh, technology wasn't always playing ball for the uh, Conservatives, but nevertheless, I'm sure it was uh, a really useful event to be part of. And, and again, I believe there was a TFN fringe within uh, within this one, again, focusing on economic recovery and the importance of transport investments. Yeah, again, very, very, very similar, uh, very, very similar topics discussed, very, very similar messaging, again, from from, from the other two. So, so yes, it was chaired by um, Andrew Jones, MP, who's the, the co-chair of our Transport Across the North Air, PPG. Um, and then Miranda Barker from the East Lancashire Chamber of Commerce, who, uh, you know, people who've listened to this podcast before will be familiar with. Uh, Councillor Don McKenzie, who's a TFM board member for North Yorkshire, and, and Barry, Barry, Barry joined as well, uh, our chief executive. Uh, from a transport for the north perspective uh, so again it looks very 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 probably a little bit closer towards the economic recovery you know as much as anything i think particularly with having a representative for the chamber of commerce there was a particular business focus on there so miranda was talking about you know like the aerospace sector in in lancashire and things like that and the importance to connect that with the rest of the north and make sure that you know that the that, that, that small and medium-sized businesses in particular um, are there to, to continue afterwards because you know there's a lot of innovation comes from these type of those type of businesses particularly when they're based around such a such a highly skilled sector advanced manufacturing sector as aerospace so so yeah so it was a really a really really good discussion um but uh, but yeah very much again probably very similar themes but much more with a with an angle towards uh you know making sure that the economic recovery that, that we don't lose the businesses and the skills that we've got in the north mm. um to make sure that we don't they don't disappear yeah, for sure. Uh, and again, I think we've got some clips from that event, so we can take a listen to some of the some of the comments from that. So I'm going to go straight to Don McKenzie as our first speaker. Uh, Don is a councillor for North Yorkshire County Council and has been so since 2009, having run a engineering business, engineering business which exported all over the world. Don originally had the public health brief, which will be an interesting one at the moment, uh, but for the last five years has had the access brief for North Yorkshire County Council. So Don, can you please uh, start our discussion this morning? Yes, thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, Yes, the access brief includes highways, passenger transport, countryside access, broadband and mobile telephony. Uh, North Yorkshire, first of all, a little bit of background about my county. It's the country's largest county. 
a population of some 610,000 persons spread over a wide and topographically challenging area of more than 3,000 square miles. The County Council manages 6,000 miles of highways, 4,000 miles of footpaths and nearly 2,000 bridges. So we have two medium-sized towns, Harrogate, where I'm speaking from this morning, uh, and Scarborough, and most of the rest of the population is scattered in small villages and hamlets throughout the county. To give an indication of the distances involved uh, for internal travel in our county, from Scarborough on the east coast to Settle in the west is a, a journey of more than 100 miles, whilst from Richmond in the north to Selby in the south is a journey of approaching 70 miles. So it's a very, very large county. In other words, travel is normally involving a big distance and it can be challenging. Uh, generally speaking, north to south travel is very good in our county. The A1M bisects the county and is motorway status all the way. And the East Coast main line, the rail line, uh, also provides high-speed trains through the county. But traveling east to west is much more challenging. And the County Council's top transport priority is to bring about improvements here, especially in the A59 and A64 corridor. Now, North Yorkshire County Council has been a transport for the North board member since its inception. And we share TFN's belief that a pipeline of investment schemes is needed for the North of England following decades of investment in transport infrastructure. North Yorkshire County Council actually is playing its part in that and we're investing. So we're determined at North Yorkshire County Council to help the local economy to overcome the effects of COVID as quickly as possible. And we intend to do that by continuing to invest in our infrastructure. And we believe that transport for the North uh, is helping us do just that. Finally, Andrew, if I may just mention, uh, we do give a high priority also to digital infrastructure. Our broadband company, Superfast North Yorkshire, has connected up so far 180,000 businesses and domestic premises to high quality broadband uh, since 2012. And we continue to connect up thousands of additional properties every year. The latest phase of expansion, providing full fibre connections for our subscribers uh, of an average of up to 330 megabits per second download speed. So there, Andrew, a bit of a background to the state of affairs in North Yorkshire County Council. Don, thank you very much. Uh, I think the scale of North Yorkshire County Council is, is the key thing that I've taken out of that in terms of the sheer amount of, of miles of highway and, um, and the distances. But the point again is with a very low population density and a business mix which is oriented towards uh, small and medium-sized enterprises with a bias towards the visitor economy and the agricultural sector. Transport uh, is still absolutely critical to our future economic growth as a county. Uh, can I now ask uh, for a contribution from Miranda, Miranda Barker? I'm the Chief Executive of East Lancashire Chamber of Commerce and the, the 53 accredited chambers, which, which cover the whole of the geography of the UK, are all private limited companies owned by their members. And they are there to work not just for their members, but also for the local communities in each of their areas. So we're heavily embedded in our local economic community and working in partnership with LEPs, councils, and all of the other bodies to try and make sure those communities are successful. 
the north of England and Lancashire, East Lancashire in particular, um, we have more manufacturing than the rest of the country even understands. If you look at East Lancashire and I have to describe its character, I say that my area runs from Salisbury, where you have British aerospace, just to the east of, of the M6, all the way across to the Yorkshire border, where we have Rolls-Royce aero engines in, in Barn Oldswick. And that summarises really neatly what Lancashire's manufacturing sector, especially East Lancashire's, looks like. Really strong global firms in automotive, aerospace, low carbon, health innovation, food manufacturing, and a whole host of areas. But then a really in-depth, deep base of SMEs working in manufacturing, creating what it is really a productivity hotspot, not just in the UK, but globally. Lancashire is the fourth largest aerospace cluster in the world. And so the significance of the economy is really, really huge. Before we hit the COVID crisis, um, Burnley, for instance, heavily dependent on manufacturing, was at full employment. Pendle, just up the road, 23.5% of their jobs are in manufacturing. Really, really significant for us. And it's not just for the use, uh, for the benefit of, of Lancashire, it's for the benefit of the UK's economy. Uh, throughout the whole of the coronavirus crisis, the Lancashire importing and exporting figures have stayed within 10% of normal. And that's because those manufacturers have kept on manufacturing, importing and exporting and supporting our economy. And when you speak to the international customers, especially for our aerospace sector, and you ask them, how do they view the UK as a manufacturing hub for their product? They say the UK is too expensive and it is too slow. And a large amount of that is to do with the lack of decent transport for our freight for our aerospace products, for our automotive products, and for the, everything else that we're trying to move around the UK and export for the good of the UK economy. We're too expensive and we're too slow. And as Don has already said, it's, it's not just a north-south problem, it is a huge east-west problem. Anyone that knows East Lancashire will know that we have a lovely three-lane motorway that ends in a car park, just to the, uh, the west of the, the Yorkshire-Lancashire border. Um, East-West transport by rail and by road is really appalling. But what we want to do is we want to move more freight by rail. It will help relieve the congestion on the roads. Um, this is why we want to see investments such as, as HS2. Even the southern portion of HS2 up to Crewe will remove a million lorry movements a year from the road with actually a reduction in 76% in, in of the CO2 from those goods being moved. So that the importance of transport, both east, west and north, south, is really, really significant for our industries. And it was before we got to COVID. However, it now becomes even more important. Well, that was it then, Stephen. Uh, party conference season uh, 2020 done and dusted, uh, as we said at the, the start, a very different uh, conference season from uh, what you're used to. Um, what are the kind of key take homes uh, from the from the three events that that we'll be uh, sort of focusing on and taking forward into into the coming months? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think, I think there's an, an aspect of obviously we're kind of on that the same journey as everybody else, really. So I think you know we're already looking at um, 
you know, we've already, we've already submitted our economic recovery plan. You know, we're looking at a northern infrastructure pipeline to help to facilitate that. Uh, that that recovery um, and the decarbonisation stuff. You know, we're we're looking to do something a bit probably a bit more interim uh, in the next few months, and then early next year we're looking to kind of develop a more comprehensive decarbonisation strategy. So, oh. so you know, it, it, it's kind of an area that we're already looking at. Um, I know, as we talked about the fringe at the Labour conference, but we did a couple of drop-in sessions as well with Tim Wood from from a Northern Parks Rail perspective and our new uh, principal environmental sustainability officer, Peter Cole. So they both spoke about that kind of, you know, the, the green angle was something that very much came up mm. with them. So, so uh, looking at technology, future technology and electric vehicles and things like that uh, was, mm. was very important. So we'll we'll consolidate all of that and come back next year um, with uh, <laughs> with our with our proper response. <laughs> We'll we'll build back better, Stephen. Conference season twenty one will be, uh, yeah bigger bigger and better i'm sure and plenty more to talk about so when um, decarbonization then let's uh let's start to uh wrap up today's episode by finishing on on that uh i was going to say train of thought that's a really bad pun because uh what i'm leading into is the hydrogen uh powered train trial uh that was in the news recently at hydroflex i think it's called and and once again it's the, the northeast leading the way in this area uh, tell us all about it yes i think i think so the government's name tees valley is the uk's first uh hydrogen transport hub so naturally this is this is something we welcome and you know mayor ben houchin is our pfm uh, vice chair has done a really good job uh, pushing that in in his area so yeah it's very much something that we welcome i think you know like say we've spoken about electric vehicles quite a lot it's something that tends to get brought up but i think throughout the all the conference particularly the conservative conference uh hydrogen was really really high up high up the agenda and you know something like hydrogen power as well as electrification are key components of our of the future for rail in the north in particular as well as potentially other areas you know i know mm. there's looking at uh, hydrogen buses or electric buses or even even freight transport as well as kind of an area around there so it's definitely it's definitely going to be an important uh an important technology going forward and uh and like i say we'll we'll have a look at it from uh from a northern perspective when as we develop our strategy and where it probably fits in there but uh, yeah very 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 positive news mm. yeah absolutely and again as you say you know this the fact that the the Tees Valley has been named as this, the sort of hydrogen transport hub, and there is so much interest and investment in these technologies. Again, particularly within the um, the northeast, I know Mayor Ben Houchen has been very pleased recently to get some um, e-scooter trials underway in that area as well. So there's, there's very much a lot of focus, a lot going on, um, and it, it comes across all of all of the north as well. Um, I know Evershot mm. Rail and Alstom are also developing these um, hydrogen train technologies. So yeah, a really key area of um, of activity, uh, and again, one to very much focus on over the uh, coming coming months and keep an eye on because this 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 kind of thing really could be transformational for the way we move around. And the thing that uh, TFN is very very keen on, and the whole uh, feel around our strategic transport plan is that you know it's 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 a long term vision. You know, we're talking over the coming decades so that not just uh, for us in the immediate future, but actually for generations to to come have a, a suitable and sustainable transport network. And of course, as you mentioned previously, Stephen, that comes hand in hand with 
retaining skills, retaining educational opportunities. Uh, and it really does all all fit together, doesn't it? You know, when we, when we talk about things like HS2 and NPR being integrated and feeding in with the trans, uh, Transpennine route upgrade and, you know, access to stations and how that might need roads and active travel facilities. And, um, you know, it's 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 got to be one big picture, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that's that's one of the things that transport for the North all about. I think I think as, as you know, we mentioned quite a few times. You know, we're we're focused on the outcomes, and I think too much uh, transport investment is either you know it kind of goes into silos, and then you get focused on the inputs and the outputs, and you work within a specific, you know, kind of like a very specific um, kind of like kind of formula to, to do transport. Mm-hmm. So I think by where we've come is moved it to the outcome focus. Um, and then mm-hmm. integrating all the different aspects of transport into one bit, but understanding them much clearer about where you're trying to go with it mm-hmm. um, helps to drive that innovation to things like, say, like the hydrogen is something that we want to incentivize those types of things. Uh, you know, the Tees Valley is, is an excellent hub for, you know, over 50% of the of the UK's hydrogen comes from the Tees Valley now. So it's so it's something that we want to push. You know, that that's one mm-hmm. of the areas that, that's kind of like... Uh, you're getting two birds with one stone, what's a better phrase of that one, you know, you're developing something that's going to help future transport, but also yeah. an advanced, you know, there's a separate side of it where it's, a, it's an advanced manufacturing that's that's the key capability for the north of England anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's really important going forward that we keep everything integrated and we understand how all the pieces fit together. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's definitely transport for the north role and what we've been doing for the past few years is trying mm-hmm. to push that forward. Absolutely. And I, I know, as we, we like to say, often it's it's more than just transport. You know, transport mm. isn't only getting somebody from A to B. And, you know, do you do that by road or rail or, or bicycle? It's about what that means in terms of wider opportunities, about mm. social and economic benefits, you know, just about general lifestyle impacts that the way we the way we move around can have. So, uh, yeah, really, really key that, that we're working on. Um, all of those things as an integrated activity involving members from right across the region and really thinking about these in a in a joined up way. Yeah, that I think then brings us to the end of this episode for the podcast. A lot going on there. So uh, thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. Uh, We're working on the upcoming episodes for you. So just a, a sneak peek of what you can expect over the next Uh, weeks and months on the Transport for the North podcast. We are going to be having a focus on integrated and smart travel very soon. And again, a really key area in terms of supporting and encouraging people to utilise public transport, doing that in a COVID secure way, but also doing that in terms of the ways that that suits them best uh, and brings them the most opportunities, making sure it's practical, efficient and cost effective and how technology can help do that. So IST, a really, really interesting area of work. So we're going to be talking about that on a future episode. And of course, we'll keep you up to date on some of the key topics that we've touched on today as well, especially HS2 and Northern Powerhouse Rail, uh, decarbonisation, a big area, lots of work ongoing in in that region. So we will keep you bang up to date with everything happening on our upcoming episodes. Um, Until next time, though, don't forget, you can stay in touch with us 
in a manner of ways. Uh, we've got our All Points North email newsletter that comes out every week. If you head to the website, transportforthenorth.com, scroll on down to the bottom of the page and you'll find a box to put your email address in to sign up to get that. And then every week, landing in your inbox, you will get some of the key stories from transport across the north. Uh, you can also catch us on social media as well. And that's the best way to keep in touch day to day and find out what's happening as it happens, especially if you're on Twitter. We uh, live tweet quite a lot of our meetings and activities so that you are bang up to date with everything that's going on and what's being said uh, about transport in our region. Look, we are also on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn as well. And you can find us on any of those platforms by searching Transport for the North. Wow, I think that's everything for now. So stay tuned, keep in touch as always. Drop us a line if you want to get involved in the podcast, if you've got any questions that you want us to put to anybody, any topics that you'd like us to cover, please do give us a shout and you'll find contact details on the website and on our social media channels. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure as always. No problem, thank you, Gemma. Thank you. Um, I hope you, that you've got a, uh, a little bit of a break to recuperate and recover from all the activities of the uh, conference season. I guess the bonus was that at least you could do it all from the comfort of your living room rather than having to uh, traipse around the country all the time. Yeah, yeah that's it. Probably won't take me as long to recover as, as normal, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Fine. Okay. Good stuff. So thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. Stay in touch and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.